I can't get no satisfaction. I can't get no satisfaction. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm doing all right. I've got got a little bit of a buzz on. Not a buzz. I'm not drunk. I'm not high. I'm not any of that. I just got a coffee. Just had a, you know, feeling a little, feeling well, feeling rested. I guess is the word. I've done that as a kid. I woke up one day. I think it was just before I was going to school. Um, this had been when I was in senior school, so high school for those of you who are in the UK. And I thought about, oh, you know, I'm going to go to school. And I was just in the kitchen putting my shoes on, and I vividly remember thinking to myself, hmm. I feel strange. I don't know why I feel strange. And I said, said to mom, you know, I, I feel, I feel weird. I almost feel disconnected from the world. And she said, well, you know, what, what's wrong? Do you have a headache? Do you feel tired or anything like that? And I said, no, I, just, I, just, I feel strange in the sense of I don't feel anything. And I realized that all I really actually felt was well rested. I just slept well. You know, I woke up and I didn't have any aches or pains. I didn't feel groggy or anything like that. So I, I just felt well rested. And it was such an unknown feeling to me. And as I grow older and get further into my 30s, feeling well rested is is more foreign of a concept than ever before. Because everything I have creaks and groans and moans. And my bones are gradually grinding themselves into green dust. That's a King of the Hill reference, if uh, if you ever needed one, just to throw that one out there. But, enough said on that topic. So something I get asked quite often, and probably becomes more prevalent this year for me than any other year, is, Graham, how do you keep going? You know? How do you keep going? How do you keep doing stuff? And it is true. It's, it's true, I'm... I'm when it comes to doing stuff, I do a lot of stuff, right? I do. I, I, I'm heavily involved in projects. I'm stacking ideas, stacking themes, thoughts, and theories, and I'm producing these content, and I'm producing that art and this stuff all over the place, and I do it pretty much without stopping, and I do it, I, as I mentioned in the kind of the trailer for this year, was that I don't really stop. But I don't really find it challenging either. I don't find it challenging to the point of that I need to, you know, feel bad about it or that I need to stop doing things, give myself a rest. I mean, obviously there's times when I give myself a rest, but usually that's related to other things mental health-wise, not the work I'm creating in any way, shape, or form. And even when I've got writer's block in the sense of, I say writer's block, I, I, it's weird to say drawer's block, so I say writer's block for a lot of things. Even when I'm in a situation where I don't really know what I want to create or what I want to do, I don't even see that as a challenge because at some point I know my brain's just going to kick in and go, oh, hey, we should do this today, so let us do that today. We, you know, it'll, it'll pick up and go. I don't, I, I, I was reading the other day about online about how people have internal monologues and also don't have internal monologues in that there's it, you, there's two types of people the people who have a voice inside their head narrating basically everything they do and their thoughts and feelings back to themselves and others who just live in this kind of abstract gloopy void and i realized i'm actually a bit of both because i live in the abstract gloopy void in my head where i'm dredging for things as i've drawn in my hand drawing where i drew dredge of this idea of grabbing ideas and slowly sifting them up i discussed it in the live show i did but at the same time i I fully give that a voice when I'm being more theatrical in my head because it's a narrative device and this is just a show 
right? That's all my life is. I'm just running a picture show inside my head. Everything else is just play acting. As Zach one friend of mine, Zach once said, it's just like, this is my world. Everyone else is just playing in it. Not to sound like a too much of an ego-driven, um, God-complex individual. Um, <laughs> I've got completely off point. But how do I keep going? I've mentioned it before. I'm compulsively creative. You know, productive procrastinate. Productive masturbation was another topic of mine. Also one of my most viewed videos. So, internet, you are filth. The fact that it has masturbation in the title, you are picking that up. And it's your own fault that you're disappointed by a, a slightly beardy, hairy man sitting at his desk discussing the concept of creating artwork. But it is it is a question, and it's something which I'm not entirely sure I can explain. But I thought of a way of kind of explaining it the other day, so I'm, I figured this is what I would bring to you. In the... I'm going to be honest, guys. It's a lot harder to ignore me than you would think. Right? That's the truth of it. And what do I mean by that? Let's get into that. So when I think of online, when I think of social media right now, I think one of the main challenges you face as an artist or any creative out there is getting your content out there, okay? Getting your content out there, getting it in front of people who would be interested in viewing it. That is a challenge. And I had this conversation, I say conversation, mild interaction with Dallas Sack on Twitter, where he was discussing this idea of getting music out there is hard. It's it's an, In fact, it's actually harder for musicians than someone visual because visual, you, you engage with it as soon as you see it. Music, you kind of have to click play unless you're on the radio. And the radio, as we all know, is heavily biased and money-driven. So that's a whole other conversation. But this is something which is, is a problem with online. And as I discussed with the old YouTube, didn't used to be the problem it is to this scale. But when I think of social media now, so when I produce an episode, I produce an episode and I put it out and I put it on Facebook and I put it on Instagram and I tag it on Twitter. And then a few days later, I'll put up a teaser or put up a reel. I'm trying, right? That's like me taking five shots for the same thing to get it in front of new faces, new people and people who might want to come along for the ride along the long term. And sometimes that works. Sometimes that doesn't. It is a fickle mistress that you can't really you know, control, because the algorithm kind of fights you against it. I noticed the other day that if you have a reel on Instagram and then you share that reel to your story, it seems to drop off in content engagement. So I think it gets a level of pushback because you shared it yourself. That's just my conspiracy theory hat, but it's on my head. Either way, I put out a lot of this content. Now on Facebook, you can mute people, can't you? You can mute people, you can block people, you can do the same on Twitter, and you can do the same on Instagram, you can mute stories. Which means I know that out of my friends, and I keep my friends list on Facebook kind of small, about 200 people, if I go over that I go back through and I think, who haven't I spoken to for a long time? Do I actually want them on here? Can I just kick them and we'll just be friends in real life? You know, we'll look at it that way. It's kind of cutthroat, I admit it. But I'm, a, I'm a, from a MySpace generation where we used to have to decide the top six. And that was how you led your life. Also led to a few downfalls. But you can view and block people. Which means I know there's definitely people on my list who get fed up with me posting as much as I do. That is a reality. How do I know that? Because I do that. When someone posts a lot and they are all I get in my feed, I mute them for about 30 days. And... I do it with people who have businesses and people who have art. And if I see too much of the same thing, my brain goes, nah, we've seen enough of this for now. We can mute this person. We can kind of come back to them. They're still going to be there. I'm still going to learn about the things they do because I take an invested interest in them. But I have no, no qualms and no guilt about blocking them. Now, obviously that's disheartening. That's disheartening if you're a creator. It's a disheartening if you're a friend because you think you're being ignored. You think someone is 
pushed you aside because you're an inconvenience in their life. You think, oh, this is a problem and I'm a problem and it can be hugely effective of your ego and self-esteem and I understand that and I apologize if anyone has had their self-esteem affected by something which I have done. But it's not so much about you, it's more about protecting my own mind space. So that's that's something to consider as well. If someone mutes you, they may not be muting you because of you, they're muting you to protect themselves. That's something which people are reasonably allowed to do and to remain friends with you. You can have friends with conflicting views, by the way, just as a, a, a an idea out there. But when that happens to me, I'm going to be honest, it doesn't affect me, okay? It doesn't affect me. And when I put stuff out and it doesn't really get an engagement, it's a little sad, but it doesn't affect me. It doesn't affect me in how I create content. It doesn't affect me in the quantity of content which I produce. It doesn't affect me in the topics I discuss. Because, I don't know if people know this or not, one of the main reasons I create is because I enjoy creating things. The reason I have this podcast is because I enjoy the discussions it brings me. Right? And this was something which I learned ages and ages ago, right? When I was creating work way back when, and I'll discuss this, probably discuss this deeper in, in another upcoming podcast. When I was creating way back when, I tried different things to get engagement, right? And that was because it was more based on my finances. It was based on things which I need to sell in order to live. So I pandered, right? And I tried to force the engagement. I tried to get a content out there. I tried to share it as much as I could. And I wasn't getting it back. And that was extremely disheartening. That was such a level of disheartening that... You know, it's the point where you think about quitting. It's the point where you think to yourself, you know, is this really worth it? Is it? No one seems to be engaging with it. People don't seem to enjoy what I'm doing. So maybe I should just stop. Well, no, you shouldn't. And this is my message, if I have a message for this show, is that when you're in the experience of that kind of mood, you shouldn't just stop. What you should do is create something for yourself, right? Create work which is more you something which makes you feel happy something which you like it doesn't matter if anyone else out there likes it it doesn't matter in any way shape or form what should matter is that when you are creating it that you're enjoying creating it that you're enjoying the experience there's a album by epic beer men called this was supposed to be fun and that's something which i feel like you should take to heart as an artist that's something which you should look to as a icon of how to deal with yourself is this was supposed to be fun recently i started uh finished off with friends we had chewing the plot which was a secondary podcast we did it for a year and i think we got to the end of the year and all four of us kind of sat there and said yeah you know what this was fun but it's run its course it's run its course in enjoyment and it's becoming more of a, a challenge to do every single time and we've got conflicting lives therefore we will bring it to an end because it's meant to be fun we didn't want to get to a point where it just wasn't where we were angry at each other for one reason or another that's never a point you should get to with a project or an idea or a concept and if you do get to that point it's important to take that step back it's important to take that step back so what do i mean by i'm harder to ignore than you think well the truth is let's say you don't like what i do right let's say you don't engage with what i do let's say you think my work is in some way bad you know i'm sure there is people out there um some way bad intrusive not 
you know, talented, not creative, anything like that. I'm sure I have all the same thoughts. So, you know, kudos. We're on the same page there. But let's say you have those thoughts. You can mute me. You can unfollow me. You don't like me. You don't have to follow the contact. That's fair enough. But it's not really going to stop me. It's not really going to interrupt me in any way because you're just the wrong audience. You know, that's the way I think of it. You at the time were just the wrong audience. Maybe that's not the person who needed the message at the time. Maybe that's someone else. Maybe that's someone, yeah. This is why I always say to encourage sharing things. You know, I share things which, you know, I'm not hugely engaged with all the time because I'm not interested in it, but someone else might be. The best example I can give to that is that I don't have children, evidently. I don't have any children, but I share things which would be good for families because I know people who have children and I know the people who are creating things for families would be interested in learning about the things which are for families. They're, they're trying to get their work out as much as I'm trying to get my work out. In the same way, I know someone who's into, you know, gothic and horror art. I will share stuff like that and they can share stuff about depressed animals. I don't know. I have a niche. I feel like there's a, there's a niche in between here where... I'm just kind of sat going, okay, well, most of my work has a very negative message in some way, but it's not negative. It's not negative. In my point of view, it's actually kind of uplifting. It's just, it's all about how you view it. It's all about that perspective shift when you think of my work. And I feel like I've explained that in, in, in some way. The post-positive attitude, which I'm trying to embrace and coin as a term, is you know, that's, that's how I describe myself on Twitter as the post-positive artist. But I say, it's hard to ignore me because I will just keep going, Yeah. I'll keep going and I'll keep thumping and I'll keep going, all right, well, maybe I want to create more if you're going to ignore it. Maybe I just want to create more and experiment with what I'm creating. It's it's almost fodder. Like, it's it's not fuel. I won't say it's fuel to the file. I'm not fueled by challenge in that capacity. I don't think there's a weird, um, oh, what is it? There's like a terminology which comes from the hip hop industry where it's, you, you need the fuel to the fire. You need someone to say your shit essentially is is the tldr of that is that you need someone to say to you you're crap you're shit you should give up because that fuels you that fuels you to show them prove them wrong fight them and all these kinds of things and i do a little bit of that on calendar my so part of my calendar's positivity message is that you look at these calendars and you look at these animals and you say this calendar is insulting me why is this calendar insulting me fuck the calendar i'm gonna go and prove it wrong and if you are prove you know you are agreeing with it and going okay well maybe <clears throat> excuse me maybe it's got a point then you know you just know that out there in the world that maybe there's someone else like you because someone else is going to look at that calendar and think okay yeah everyone has an off day it's a, it's a point of contention and i know it is out there in the world <laughs> the calendar the calendar is a weird point of contention to come to but it's out there but what i'm saying is you know if you're ignoring the work and you're ignoring me as a person and the attitude I have and the ideas I have, then maybe it's less of a conversation for me and you. It's me and someone else is who I'm going to be discussing it with. I, I realize that you're not my target market, as it were. It's something I've done ever since I was a kid as well. I realized this. This was where the thought came from, is that, you know, when you get told as a child you know, the the idea of showing off or being the center of attention and that's not something children should strive for is if coming from coming from a british household where, where you know being reserved is, is the way to be um being the center of attention isn't, isn't good for you is something which i think 
I don't know, I've been told a lot, and I think a lot of people have been told a lot within their lives. So when you get children and they want to do something and they want to have an idea or a performance or something to create, they really, a lot of them do it for attention because it's something they crave. It's, it's, it's contact and connection with your parents and your family and your friends. So you do more and more outrageous things, especially if you don't get that attention and there's no one there to communicate with you and have a discussion with you. You, you just push that boundary further. That's, it's acting out. It's what, what children do. Now, me as a child, I, I had levels of wanting to, you know, be that center of attention, but one of the main messages I was given was, you know, don't be the center of attention. It's bad. You should never look to be the person on top. And there's a lot of psychosemantics which you could go into about how I live my life now, but you should never want to be on, on, on top and you should never want to be in a position where you're making a fool of yourself to get attention. So what I did was I internalized that message to a point where I just decided it didn't really matter who paid attention to what I did. So when I'm at home and when I was alone in my room, I'd, I'd be playing alone in my room because I was doing the things which I enjoyed. And it didn't really matter if people, people were engaging with it. It was nice when I had friends and eventually, you know, got out of that little bubble a bit and found that they enjoyed doing what I wanted to do too. But all these things I did for myself. I, I, I created these worlds and created these ideas and just said to myself, well, what's my level of enjoyment? In it? And if I stopped enjoying it, then I stopped doing it. And if I started to enjoy something else, I would do more of it. It was very early ingrained, and that pushed further and further on. I, despite the various, you know, interests I've had within my lifetime, every interest I've been involved with in our hobby, or group, genre, music, lifestyle, whatever you want to call it, every single time I've stepped into it and said, okay, well, this is what everyone's doing, so I'm, you know, I'm involved with that because I'm there, but oh, I... I you know, I've found this little box, and there's this little box that I'm just going to pay attention to for a little while. It doesn't matter really matter if anyone else is paying attention to it. I'm just paying attention to it. And I like that. I like finding these little spaces where other people aren't and saying, hey, okay, I noticed that. I actually, I, one of the ways I do that now is, so you'll be in a group situation of friends or family, and you can, you know, go out for the day or something like that. What I, I tend to wander. I tend to do the, a bit of the old Irish goodbye, as they call it, and I, I tend to wander off. And I'll go find something and I'll look at something and, you know, look through a window. And it's 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 paying attention to the things which other people are ignoring. Because I know that stuff's out there because I'm creating that stuff. I'm involved with that stuff. That's the stuff which I'm interested in hugely is the, is, is the stuff people are ignoring. Why are you ignoring it? And, it's because, and sometimes it's just because it's become so mundane. Because something has become so every everyday and generic. That was the whole idea behind kind of car parks when I photographed car parks. Was, these are mundane aspects to life. These are massive mammoth buildings which we're building to house these, house these cars. But when you really step back and look at them, they're, they're, they're weirdly theatrical monuments of concrete which we've just built there and it's so quiet and silenced but so loud at the same time i'm sorry i've gone off topic on car parks it, it's a problem you know i i, I, may, I may even do a, an episode where we just discuss car parks for a while but those are the key moments it's paying attention to those key moments so when i think of myself and how i live my life i'm kind of looking to be one of those moments 
I'm not, not necessarily driven by negativity and driven by criticism of what I do. What I'm more driven by is trying to remain invisible whilst the world carries on. Trying to remain remain you know unique and interesting enough that the majority of the world will just ignore me. And I can just carry on doing what I'm doing. And the more I do that, the more I enjoy what I do, the more I enjoy the work I create, the more I'm motivated to keep doing what I do and how I enter into the world and discuss and, and formulate my actions and plans. It's not that I'm trying to live invisible in the world because I enjoy engagement. It's more just I refuse to be defeated by the, the want for exposure and the want for, you know, fame, I guess, is maybe the word which I'm looking for. You can have all the viewers in the world and all the subscribers in the world and all the followers and hangers-on and all they want, but if no one's really engaging with it, well, what's the point? That's just a trend. That's just hype. Meanwhile, if you're creating something and then changing the thing you create, every aspect you can get, valuing the effort you put in and the feeling you get when you create it, you're going to create something much more significant, much more valuable to you than is valuable to anybody else out there. I'm just saying I'm pretty hard to ignore because honestly I just don't care. <laughs> and that's pretty good for me to say. But I'm happy doing what I do. I love that you're here for the ride. And I love that you're here to enjoy things with me and discuss things with me. But if you were here or you weren't here, I'd still be doing this anyway. And I think that's the best attitude to take. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye.